From my earliest days, I struggled with a fear of poverty. And it came from parents that had both been through the Great Depression. Interesting thing about parents that had gone through the Great Depression, any of you guys that are baby boomers, you remember your parents talking about it? And my, my, I grew up in an affluent home in Philadelphia. But I can remember my mom scraping the butter off of that, you know, that kind of a, that metal, you know, butter thing. And uh, my dad talking to me about during the Depression, uh, he actually had soup. He would get ketchup and hot water off the spigot and mix it together to make tomato soup. I thought, whoa. So those, those stories were in my head, even though we grew up. Son of an oil company man, had a country club. We had Continentals, Cadillacs. My dad, I mean, he was, he was, uh, he was a, a prosperous man. But the poverty was in their memory because they went through something. And I think that transferred to me. When I became a Christian, I had that same struggle on the inside that I wonder if I'm going to have to, you know, live in poverty. And it was really a big problem. So it's a big deal to me to tell you that you want to break that mindset because you need to have resource flow through you to advance the kingdom of God. You have to be able to be resourced and have resources. I want you to go to lancewallacom forward slash wealth to go join my cousin Billy. My cousin Billy, I think he's managing over $200 million right now of account activity. I want you to use the, uh, uh, it's Denver, February 16th through 18th. Use promo code, it says Lance24, is that correct? Use promo code Lance24, my son's holding up something for me, and you'll get like um, $40 off of the you know, ticket to go. I'm saying this because cousin and the speakers are going to talk about Christians during a shaking time strategies to preserve what you've got and position yourself for what's coming and increase even off of that. I'm going to be speaking there also in Denver, Colorado. Come out and hang out with me, February 16th, 17th, and 18th. I mean, this is a big, a big download for a fraction of the cost. So I think it's like $97 or something you can get when you use my promo code, Lance24. Meet me out there. Come say hi. I'm sitting there with my wife, Annabelle, and we're going to be soaking up from Cousin Billy uh, the insights he's got. This man's got like a Midas touch, and you want to join me there. It's going to be lancewallacom forward slash wealth. Promo code Lance24. And uh, let's do that together. See you there in February. There's so much we have to cover right now, and I don't want to let it go another, another day. You understand the Supreme Court has agreed to hear the January 6th case that could affect Trump prosecution. Now, understand how this is working here. The Democrats knew that they were going to do lawfare. They're going to come at uh, Trump for overvaluing his business, for misfiling paperwork at Mar-a-Lago, for challenging Fulton County's corruption. And they're going to sue him for daring to say that they're guilty of corruption. And then there's like a fourth one. I mean, I can't even keep up with these. Oh, January 6th, that's right. So what's happening is they were all put off so that they could have been, the Democrats could have done this right away. They deliberately put it off for 30 months. Why would they put all this off for 30 months? Why would they have boom, 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 and at 30 months in order to drain Trump of finances so that he couldn't put money into his campaign, in order to psychologically harass and distract him during the campaign, and in order to tie him up with a threat of jail during his campaign, during the period he has to campaign. Boom, this was all going to be closing in on him. 
Well, the problem is um, it's not working out that way. So Jack Smith has decided he's going to skip over a step in the process where courts can, you know, possibly accept, advance uh, the, the hearing against Trump. And he took it right like a Hail Mary. We got to get Trump, boom, incarcerated before the election because they're freaking out. He's beating Biden in the polls. And then Biden's got his knucklehead son. He's about to go up on the stand. And he can only play his little speech outside on the street so far when he's being interrogated. You know, listen, 50% of those guys in politics nowadays are lawyers. So you're in there with a bunch of lawyers. That's, that's enough to drive you nuts. So they're all going to be like prosecuting him and taking him apart. So he, so Biden is, is, is suffering. They got to get Trump out. So they're taking it, Hail Mary, to the Supreme Court. We're going to get this case tried so we can move it fast before Trump can even get in office. We're going to convict him. They want Trump convicted so that the low-information American voter, who sometimes has advanced degrees from universities, by the way, but they're still kind of dumb on this stuff. If they read in the New York Times and the Washington Post, the Atlantic Journal, indicted felon Trump. It's, he's a felon. He's a dictator. They got to have that. Anyway, so it's going to the Supreme Court justices. And they're going to have to hear, they're going to make a decision on the case. The uh, betting money in Las Vegas is saying the Supreme Court is, uh, is going to uh, say that they don't have a case against Trump based on January 6th. Because if you think about it, he asked for military police. He asked for a beefing up of uh, protection. And they have his speech that he gave, which wasn't a call for an armed uh, assault. And they have all the evidence to prove that um, Trump, and they have to explain why Pelosi didn't uh, listen to him, why mm -hmm. the mayor in D.C. didn't want to have any uh, National Guard there. They have to explain why they kept the, uh, the chief of police in, in Washington, D.C. in the dark while they loaded up 100 to 200 FBI agents all over the place. And what were they doing during the insurrection? Were they helping facilitate it, monitor it? Uh, were they undercover, participating? These are all the things that, uh, they, that I don't even think the Supreme Court wants that case to be coming out. I'm not sure the Democrats really understand how desperate a ploy that is because uh, the likelihood is they're going to dismiss that charge. We'll see. One never knows. Do you remember what Schumer did? He threatened the Supreme Court. Remember they had a, a guy that came, a Democrat from California, came with duct tape and weapons to Kavanaugh's house to go kill him? Yeah, these guys live under a lot of intimidation. They have protests outside their houses with no protection. Uh, uh, driving those people off the street from the government. So the, who knows the psychological state of those conservatives we got on the Supreme Court? One can only hope that uh, they aren't intimidated. You were going to say something? I put my hand up so people don't know. I'm like, I have a thing to say. Listen, I 
think the inverse implications of all of these lawsuits and these attacks against Trump timed right now to quote a line from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. You know, for everybody who's like, oh, election fraud and it's not even worth voting. I mean, that whole mentality really needs to go out the window in light of the countless lawsuits against Trump. I mean, that I just I think there's an inverse implication here that says Trump stands a good chance of winning. Therefore, they're going full tilt into trying their best to prevent him from even being able to be the nominee. And we need a few more Ken Paxton's. I want to see some more attorney generals out there. You see what they're doing is they're saying, we got our people in New York. We got our Soros-funded DAs, our corrupt machine, you know, uh, racketeer-type people. Let's go to New York where we can leverage. Let's go to D.C. Let's go to Georgia. Do you know, don't get me off on this, do you know that Congress has the right to relocate these federal jurisdictions for courts? Hmm. In other words, I, I would say D.C. is out if, if, I, if we could get a sufficient majority like we are, if we ever did have an enlightened electorate in a wave, if we ever had 30 million unregistered Christians show up and do their duty to God and man, we could actually relocate the New York uh, and the, uh, forget, this, forget the Southern District of New York, go to Washington, D.C., where it's the worst place to have a trial because it's 95% all Democrat controlled. They should move that. They could actually move the jurisdiction out of D.C., to Fairfax, Virginia, or someplace else where there's a, an environment of 50-50, American mix. You got what I'm saying? Do you know the Congress has that ability? I found that out coming to your Christmas party, listening to Mark Levin. Mm. As uh, we were on our way over to Larry and Mercedes had a party, and I sat in the driveway and listened to Mark Levin. And uh, he explained, Congress, the House, determines the jurisdictions for these courts. Hmm. They're, they're, they're authorized by Congress. They aren't self-appointed. So anyway, New York and Georgia. I want to see some conservative uh, attorney generals and prosecuting attorneys that'll do with them what they're doing to Trump because that's the only way they'll stop doing it. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian. Oh, yes, it does. By wisdom. The stronghold of the enemy is taken down. And if they're going to be uh, weaponizing their district attorneys to go after um, their political adversaries, what does it feel like when they're uh, targeted? Well, someone could say, well, aren't you doing that with Hunter Biden? No, he walked into that net. And by the way, it's been four years, six years. The FBI covered up the information they had, and the intelligence community had 51 people sign a document saying, oh, we don't think that... Uh, that that uh, laptop with all that footage of Hunter Biden smoking crack and with those prostitutes and with those kids, and then all that documents that we have about, you know, the money and all the money trail. Oh, we think it's Russian disinformation. They all knew it wasn't. That's why the intelligence community is corrupt. And they're still getting government funding and they're still on the talk shows giving their pontifications. They should be drilled out of, uh, uh, completely cut off from government support and actually be tried for treason. Pope Francis officially approves priests blessing same-sex couples. Well, I'm not surprised about that. I mean, we do have, you know, Pope Francis. Let me just, I, but I, I don't want to go superficial on this, all right? I don't want to go superficial. Francis has formally approved allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. These are people seeking God's love and mercy. They, they shouldn't be subject to an exhaustive moral analysis. 
Now, now the, the, the Vatican is making a point of saying that they're not doing it with their vestments in the context of acknowledging the legitimacy of same-sex marriage. But you see, the Vatican had a strong statement that came out a year ago saying that only recognizing heterosexual marriage between a man and a woman. And they actually got rid of that guy. You got to watch the inside Vatican politics. They got rid of the guy, just like they got rid of the most conservative Christian bishop in the United States who was in Texas. Got rid of him because they really like the more Marxist, progressive, LGBTQ-type Catholic position. Well, that's where that guy's from. The Pope is comes from that. Comes from what? Well, there's like two factions within the Catholic Church. I mean, there's traditional biblical Catholicism, as you know, and then there's this Marxist type of faction. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the new document uh, repeats the rationale that uh, Francis said that such blessings could be offered under certain circumstances if they didn't confuse the ritual with the sacrament of marriage. In other words, you gay, come on, I'll bless you. I could bless you. I can't, uh, I can't marry you. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't go that far, but I can take you up to the point where God's blessing you. God loves you. I'm with you. You're with me. We're God. We're one happy family. So basically it's, uh, it's a form of validating and affirming the homosexual union. Now you can have your own theology on this. Uh, uh, the Bible clearly doesn't endorse male and male or female and female union. So, uh, the new, so what the Pope is doing is he's easing his way into the endorsement. Of, uh, now, Francis endorsed civil unions for gays three years ago. Is that, I'm reading this. Is that true? I know you guys, you guys are going to educate me. It's written here. Francis endorsed. I was of the opinion that uh, he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't endorsed and recognized civil unions for gays. I guess he recognizes civil unions for gays, but doesn't acknowledge uh, the Catholic uh, ritual of marriage for gays. Maybe that's what he's doing. He's acknowledging what exists legally, but he is not uh, saying that they'll perform those marriages with gay couples. They're working their way over there, folks, and he's, uh, he's doing what he can. Uh, they expect him to come out pro endorsing homosexual homosexuality in October. But it gives you an idea of where we're at in the world right now, folks. And, and I know uh, that doesn't, I, I'm supposed to run out of time here, but I just got to say something. The Senate staffer who lost his job after allegedly having sex in the hearing room. Why is it allegedly? They got videotaped. The guy got fired. He even admitted it. That's always allegedly. Senate staffer lost his job. Because dumb enough, they not only do it in the Senate hearing room, but uh, he recorded it with another guy. This is the same place where James Comey, the former FBI director, gave his testimony on Donald Trump there in 2017. I can't go into details about what they have recorded there. Let's just say it's uh, like James Comey, uh, you know, there, he had Trump derangement syndrome. Well, this guy is, you know, Michael, what's his name with Daily Wire? What's his name? Michael Knowles. He called it rump derangement syndrome. But that's kind of a, a crudity. But listen, we can't, we can't give you details of what went on. It's just so sick right now. 
They got the uh, the cocaine they're finding. They got you know sex male men having sex, and of course the the Senate staffer, a senator, uh, the senator who is on the uh, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Well, that, that tells you who's advising him and what's what's around him at the workplace. But uh, the guy that's responsible for this is Myes Zerpolsky. Um, he basically says uh, that uh, he would never disrespect my workplace. So he doesn't consider that to be disrespecting the workplace. So what I'm trying to tell you is you have the collapse of, uh, of morality, and this is all part of what I'm concerned about happening in the West, and that is that there's the atomization of virtue, the atomizing of morality, the, the destruction of the firewall, the standard of decency. And it's, it's so bad that the kids are now in a, there's a wave, an epidemic of trans activity going on to, uh, to get your child to actually be part of this epidemic of, being, of thinking that they're, they're in the wrong body. There's just a vast dislocation happening in American culture. And, and you know, it's, what's the hope? We pray for a spiritual revival. I don't think we can have a revival that doesn't address these things. I mean, moving towards what? Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, um, Joel Osteen was trying to do Knights of Hope, Knights of Hope. There was this thinking on his staff. I met with his uh, manager that he'd be like Billy Graham and he was just going to be. But Billy Graham preached against communism. Billy Graham talked about the morality of the country. He just didn't change the subject and everybody's got problems and God's good. He dealt with it. And I think it's a prophetic dimension of this revival that is about to break out. It's not going to be like Asbury. Uh, it's going to be more powerful than that. Your thoughts, Mercedes, before I flip out, out on this next segment? No, I think that's great. 100% agree. All right, but I do believe we got, it's a, I want you to catch how the word of God is intersecting prophetically this moment and how Isaiah the prophet, the one who says, unto us a child is born, boom, speaks to the very moment we're in and we need prophets in politics. You'll see why when we come back. You know, there are stories in the Bible that are actually so amazing. Imagine if God gave you a dream and he said to you, ask me anything that you wish and I'll give it to you. Well, that actually happened. Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. Suppose God was to ask you if you wanted the ability to open up heaven with your prayer life so that you could come up into this very presence and see his plan and his purpose and his detailed blueprint for what you're called to do. And then suppose God added to that and said, and I'm going to give you the power over every demon and earthly circumstance that gets in your way when you want to administrate that vision. I'm going to give you kingly power and priestly access to the throne of God at the same time. That's the end time move of God, folks. It's called the Melchizedek spirit. Jesus comes to us, the Bible says, in a new order. It's called the order of Melchizedek. We've seldom seen it manifest in the church, but it's showing up now where God is giving to his people the royal priesthood authorization to be able to see what heaven wants to do, pray prevailing prayers, and administrate that prayer right over the works of hell. We're seeing amazing answers to prayer. We're seeing new testimonies happen every day. I want you to get this special teaching. LanceWallet.com forward slash Mel. That's short for Melchizedek. LanceWallet.com forward slash Mel. You don't want to miss it. This is fresh revelation, hot off the press. Mercedes is 
making cookies, I understand. Mm -hmm. Is that true? I mean, I'm going to be yes. dealing with world affairs that are extremely intense and bothersome. But I hear her in the background talking to the staff about the cookie mm -hmm. activity. So, mm -hmm. so is there something you want to tell us about? You do you sure. does baking give you happiness? Um, I, it does. It's a sense of like a project completed, but yeah, I think I've got almost eight or nine different cookies. I've made three cookies a day and some of them very old recipes. So I, I inherited some recipes from my grandmother. And so I'm talking like night. Oh, okay. Let me just say this. She always does like this Napoleon cookie where it was like pink, uh, chocolate and then green. And I could never find the right Napoleon recipe. And I kid you not, as I'm going through her things, cause she passed away last year, as I'm going through her recipes that were sent to me, um, I found the Napoleon cookie recipe that I grew up eating. And I, I, I'm not even kidding. This is like a newspaper clipping from 1940. So I'm but like, wait, 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 wait. why is it called Napoleon? Because it's like, you know, like Napoleon ice cream where you have like the strawberry, the chocolate, and then the like normally vanilla. So it's called a Napoleon or a ribbon cookie. It could be called that. But this is cherry chocolate. And I will stop with the cookies. I'm just saying I've been working very hard on it. I just want you, I want you to see some people. When you love something... Notice how much enthusiasm you have for it. Mm -hmm. I remember the great revivalist Charles Finney once said, he said that preaching is that natural and gushing style of oratory that naturally flows from any educated soul on fire with his subject. How I could memorize that quote, I don't know. Why it's in my mind now, I can't say. But that natural and gushing style of oratory is what Charles Finney said. And uh, I, I, I find it interesting that Many of us are speechless or tongue-tied in how to deal with things going on around us. But I really say that what you lack is being educated on the subject because you have, all of you have the ability to have a natural and gushing style of oratory uh, where you're going you're gonna to break out. Now, I was opening up my Bible today before the broadcast because the, the Lord, oh, I am a Christian, and so I take this thing seriously as a Christian. I believe the only hope for America is spiritual. And I could get easily sucked into the vortex of, of uh, election fraud or, or uh, getting out the vote or swing state analysis. And, it, and I do. I, get, I go into those places because that's the, that's the practice. That's the pragmatic aspect of election victory. But I know at the end of the day, America's in such a spiritual battle, but the whole world is in a descending, gradual spiral into what the Bible calls the, the end times. We're probably in the beginning of it right now. I mean, Pope Francis officially approves priests blessing same-sex marriage. One of my stories I have to do. We got a Senate staffer uh, loses his job after having the stupidity to record himself having sex with another man in a Senate chamber and then acting as though he's being persecuted for his love. Uh, America's descent, but of course, what do you expect from a, uh, an administration that has what, the, what the, the guy who transitioned to a girl with the Bud Light situation, traversing through the White House, doing uh, promotions for social media for the Democrats on the day that we lost the military in Afghanistan. In other words, while that was going on in America, we were, um, we were getting embarrassed and humiliated by the Taliban. I saw the two as connected. I saw it like your military, your protection and your blessing from God is something God gave and God can take. 
Or even more profoundly, you can forfeit. You can lose what God gave you because of mismanagement. Now, what does the Bible say? Isaiah chapter 6, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Well, the beautiful thing about Real America's Voice and, and, and platforms and podcasts like this is that we don't dumb things down. We don't give you the media matters talking points and talk in those kind of like uh, manipulative themes that come out of MSNBC and CNN and, and the typical, you know, robot paid for propaganda organs of legacy media. We force people to think. And so we have a, a naturally more educated constituency. And uh, because of that, that gives us an advantage. We don't have the high places. I taught for years in Seven Mountains, and uh, and it was kind of like, oh, hum. It really wasn't taken that seriously, not not by the church anyway. I said, if you guys aren't more serious about raising your competency and capacity in influence in media and in law, in journalism, in entertainment, in news, in, in business, in government, and in education— we'll see those high places taken over by radical, progressive, paganist, militant Marxism. And then it'll be a little bit too late because we'll be fighting for a survival rather than influencing culture. We'll be trying to draw a line around us to protect us from the culture destroying us. And and where are we now? And I'm, I'm bringing this up for a reason. We have a chance this year. One, you would say, a final chance. And I, I don't think I can communicate the urgency of this sufficiently. And yet I want to do so without coming under a kind of a, um, a, a desperate, dark spirit. And I'm, that's why I go to Isaiah. I go to the Bible because the Lord spoke something to me. He said, never let your perception of events create a negativity that dominates your emotional state because I call you to be delighted in me. Let your delight be in the Lord. Never let your scorn be stronger than your delight is what he told me. So, you know, I come into the studio like a day like today, and I, I cannot help it. And the natural, in my mind, I'm, I'm looking at, at these, these stories that are in front of me, and I, I have a sense of urgency, but there is hope because God himself is in control of what's happening in America. And Isaiah came on the scene at the time that Rome was becoming a republic. He was around from 690 uh, to 700 B.C., uh, was his was his sweet spot in his ministry. He was a political prophet. He was someone who was familiar in the courts of kings, went in and out. Kings consulted with him. He was a, a, an aristocrat prophet, if you will, who could both speak the word of God and have visions of heaven like a Daniel and then go into the court of the king and deliver a warning or an encouragement. Would to God we had those kinds of prophets today. Isaiah prophesied at the most crucial period in Israel history. So Israel was separate into two areas. There was Judah in the south, Israel in the north. There was a division that took place. You could say like a civil war in their culture. God called them to be one, but they broke apart into two. How much like America is that? One part of the country, we'll call Democrat, had given itself over into pure sensual paganism and false religion. Uh, That's why you've got sex in the Senate chambers with two men. That's why you've got cocaine found twice. I mean, it's just like this is why you got, we're going to have a hearing about all the corruption of all the money laundering that's going on. 
It's, it's, so they've got, but then you got the, uh, Judah wasn't much better because Judah had its own problem. It had, it had experienced outward conformity to orthodoxy, but sold itself out to decadence, to privilege, to power, and to serious moral compromise, like the modern rhinos, which work with the Democrats to fund projects and budgets that feed their fat cat friends so that they can have power on committees. And then they act like they're an opposition party when in fact, the truth is, they have, uh, they're, they're keeping the oligarchy, the elites, the funding people in power happy. And they do that by playing games. And you and I think they're actually fighting against each other. They're not. They're one party. And uh, so, so what does this prophet do? He says, he warns them that if there isn't a change in the nation, that they're going to go backwards, not forward. And he turns to the priests and the prophets. He says, speak up and lift up your voice. But they're screwy. How, how like America is this? Uh, first of all, they were afraid to say anything. Uh, Isaiah says, you know, you guys are like drunkards. I know you're not drinking, but you're like guys that are inebriated. You're inebriated men pleasers. You got your own constituency, your own audience, your own crowd, and you don't, and you look at that, and then you look at what you have to say, and you only say what lines up with your crowd so that you benefit from it. You're not speaking the truth. You're not proclaiming the truth. And so you got, you got a lot of preachers today, prophets today, that are speaking to their audience that gives them the money and reads their articles. Uh, a real prophet will actually irritate their audience. A real prophet will offend their followers. I love the, I love the Dracula sermon. It's what Peacock calls it, Dennis Peacock. Jesus delivers in John 6, 6. He sees a big crowd following him, and the true prophet of God turns around and goes, well, we've got a big group here. Let's see if we can thin it out. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any of my life in you. And like they all walked away. Well, that's a crazy thing to say, cannibalism. And Peter goes, uh, Lord, they're all taken off. And Jesus says, how about you? You want to go? And he goes, oh, uh, where will we go? You've got the words of life. And Jesus says, well, isn't that interesting? I chose you 12, and one of you is a devil. He, had, he knew who Judas was, even in the group. He probably knew who Judas was before Judas knew who Judas was. And what he was saying is that I know those that I've chosen and the movement can become popular with everybody on board, or the movement can thin out with nobody on board. But those that I've chosen will make it. And I want you to be one of the chosen people. You're living in the Isaiah days, my friend. You're living in the day where priests and prophets are speaking as men-pleasers, where Republicans are, more, are hollow shells of the moral uh, uh, piety that they present to the party, and then they never deliver when you vote for them and the decadence and depravity of a lunatic left that will go to violence as well as lawfare to destroy you. This has been a wonderful broadcast. I don't know where the time goes. Thank you for watching. We're going to see you again tomorrow. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends, because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.